0: I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest superpowers. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka. Welcome to episode 66 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm going to start today by reading an Apple podcast review from Nervous North in Canada. I am so appreciative for your review, Nervous North, and so I want to acknowledge you. Here goes. So the title is Just Diagnosed. And I'm so relieved. This podcast has been such a lifeline for me. I've been struggling a bit in a new position at work, and my therapist suggested perhaps I'm on the scale of ADHD. And as I researched, I was like, I am the scale. Inattentive style, LOL. LOL. Tracy and her guests relaying their experiences in life made it abundantly clear to me this is the answer to the questions I've had about myself since grade school. And what a relief it is to have that question answered. Thank you, Tracy, for your thorough and wide-ranging research. That's Nervous North via Apple Podcasts, or is it via? I'm not sure. Canada. Thank you so much for your kind comments, Nervous North. Love these gold stars. And I really appreciate the fact that you took the time to write your review and post it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so let's get started. Look, I don't have to tell you that this is a very uncertain time in our world, our country, our local communities. We're all grappling with this question of How is coronavirus going to change our lives both today, presently, and in the future? You know, my daughter flew in for a spring break a week ago, and you're probably getting this a couple weeks late because I tend to batch record. Anyway, she flew in a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, and she's staying for who knows how long now. It is her senior year, which is kind of a bummer for her, but... She just did six, and I think it was seven hours of online Zoom classes over the last two days, and she's home studying for her LSATs and basically just, you know, getting her homework done. My son's school shut down, and he's in what they call online learning. He's been doing it for about a week. He loves it, by the way. It's his senior year, too, um, but senior year of high school. And they're canceling prom. They're canceling their senior retreat. They're canceling graduation. My husband's working home full time. And the first day or so of this, I was like, how in the hell is this all going to work? I'm sure you're all going through your own version of what it is that I'm talking about here. And in truth, I kind of oscillate between liking this uncertainty because of the novelty. I think that's kind of an ADHD thing, probably an ADHD hyperactive thing more so that we kind of like uncertainty because it's exciting But then I kind of go into reality mode and I realize that this lack of structure, it very well may just be the end of me. Since my brain isn't naturally organized, structure is really important to me in getting stuff done and feeling good. And the problem is I can't go to a coffee shop. I can't go to the library. I can't go to a friend's house. I can't even go to my parents' home you know, with social distancing. And so I'm stuck in my home with three other people that frankly, I love to get distracted by. Plus my little dog, Mochi, who doesn't help because she regularly jumps up and pushes me (laughs) to let me know that, okay, I need attention now too. So I also know that getting overwhelmed and spinning, it's not gonna generate the positive emotion that motivates and drives me forward. It doesn't allow me to act in the ways that I want to act. And, you know, then I also question, is it really hardship to be in your home with your entire family, enough food to last many months and Netflix? I don't think so. And so I'm much more worried about those nurses and doctors and firemen and policemen and paramedics and everyone else who's on the front lines fighting this virus. Still, I know that my overactive ADHD brain can come up with all kinds of terrifying scenarios. None of this is going to help me in the least. Right. I know that. And Fear is all around us. All you have to do is turn on the news or check Twitter. And between you and me, I'm a Twitter addict, but I don't tweet under my real name because, well, (laughs) my Twitter can get kind of bad sometimes. I have very definite opinions. But this is the thing. We can't control anything that happens outside of ourselves, right? We cannot control circumstances like coronavirus, like other people, You know, like bad things that just happen, car accidents, um, illnesses. We can't even change what's happened in our past, right? But what we can control, however, are our thoughts. We can control how we feel. We can control how we act and what results we get from all of this. But we never learn this because I think most of us believe that we have no control over what we think. Well, I'm here to tell you we're wrong. I think we have somewhere along the lines of 60,000 thoughts a day. I know it's an obscene number. And we can actually decide what those 60,000 thoughts a day are if we learn how to manage our mind. But it all starts with paying attention to what we're thinking. This is mindfulness, right? Right. Our thoughts are what control our feelings, and this is so important for our ADHD brains to know. I mean, you hear me all the time talking about how we need to be in positive emotion in order to feel good, in order to feel motivated, in order to move our lives forward. I was just talking about it with respect to myself. I mean, if we're in negative emotion, we can't do anything. We just spin. I think you probably know what I mean, right? And we've talked also about the fact that we, you know, with this hyperactive mind that we all share, we can disasterize, we can catastrophize, we can ruminate, we can do all of these things really, really well. Okay, so let me step back a minute. So last night I saw the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's the movie with Tom Hanks where he plays Mr. Rogers. And it's just so crazy how things work out, right? That I am actually had been outlining a podcast a couple hours before. And then all of a sudden I'm watching this heartwarming movie that I can actually talk about with respect to my podcast. Because I don't know, I guess it's our reticular activating systems, right? We see the things that we're focusing on at that point in time. So anyway, this movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, it's based on the true story of the friendship between Fred Rogers and a journalist named Tom Junode. And in the movie, the journalist is named Lloyd instead of Tom. So the journalist Lloyd has these anger issues over the death of his mother and the fact that his father just basically took off on his family after his mother got sick and ultimately died. And so clearly there is emotion that he has not been able to deal with. And And so Lloyd, the journalist, was assigned to write a profile for Esquire magazine on Mr. Rogers. And when he first comes on the scene, he's cynical and he's skeptical and he finds it really hard to believe that anyone can really be as kind and good-natured as Mr. Rogers appears to be. But of course, throughout the course of the movie, Lloyd comes to realize that Mr. Rogers is really all of that, all of what he portrays himself to be as Mr. Rogers on Mr. Rogers. What's it called? Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Is that what it's called? I can't remember. But it certainly was a program that I grew up with. So anyway, in this movie, Fred Rogers tells Lloyd that his job is actually to teach kids about their feelings, whether they're around sadness or anger or divorce or death, all of these tough subjects that none of us want to talk about. And the thing is, I don't know, maybe if we think that if we talk about them, they become more real. But actually, if we talk about what we're fearful about, we dissipate our anxiety because we're connecting with another human. And what I mean is we are actually getting out of our heads, out of all of our thoughts, right? And we are talking to another human about what it is that we're fearful about. So we're acting. So when Lloyd's father is dying, Fred Rogers talks about death. And he says that death is something that no one wants to talk about. But, and I love this, anything mentionable is actually manageable. And death is mentionable, so it's manageable. And in truth, the only real certainty we have is that at some point, we're going to die, right? And we can't ever control when that happens for us or when it happens to people we care about. What we do know is that life is unpredictable and our time here is limited. We have to make peace with that. The panic, the fear, the anxiety comes from uncertainty. And when we try to control what we can't control, whether we're talking about a pandemic or, frankly, anything. When we're thinking, 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 we're not acting at all. We're going through all these scenarios in our heads all by ourselves, but we have no idea what the outcome will be. And that is actually what's causing more fear and more anxiety, this lack of action and just being in our heads. Have you ever noticed when you're really anxious you always feel better when you just do something, anything about it. When you talk to people, you know, um, when you make a list, when you finally decide, okay, I'm going to act and this is what I'm doing. And the first thing you cross off that list, you feel so much better. You're doing something you are acting. And I'm sure there are people who hear about the shuttering of businesses. They're hearing about the layoffs. They're hearing about the unemployment rate rising, and they're in their heads calculating all these different scenarios. How are they going to pay their mortgage? How are they going to pay their rent? But the problem is we are dealing with uncertainty. We don't know what will happen. I also heard that in New York, they're talking now in California, they were saying might follow them. And I don't know if they've already done it or it's still in the talks, but I heard that there are talks to waive mortgage payments for 90 days. So for some people, this may work out even better for them financially than had the coronavirus ever, you know, not happened. So we're worrying about things we have no control over and we don't know how it's going to turn out. I'm going to say it another way. What we're really fearing is our own thoughts and feelings around this uncertainty. We worry, and we think that that means we're prepared because we're thinking through all these scenarios, trying to make things less uncertain. But all we're doing is ruminating. There's no action, so how can we know what the outcome will be? I mean, we can't because that's why the future is uncertain. We don't fear the actual circumstances. We fear how we might feel or what we might think in the future. So those thoughts that we might have. And worst of all, we think that all of our thoughts are true. And most of the time, they're not. Remember? 60,000 thoughts. Did I already talk about this? I can't remember. If I didn't, I will when I keep going on this podcast. Beyond all of this, there are so many things that when they happen to you, you think, oh my gosh, at the time, right? This is the worst possible thing in the moment that could be happening to me. But then you give it a couple weeks, a couple months, maybe even a couple of years and with hindsight, you realize that, oh, my gosh, that thing that I thought was going to be so awful, it was one of the best things that could have ever happened. I remember um, hearing a couple who were in 9-11 and they ended up getting married. They didn't know each other but for 9-11. But once 9-11 happened, they were running around, I think, you know, trying to get out um, of one of the the buildings and they met each other. and. The process of meeting each other would have never happened but for 9-11. So we don't really know how it's all going to turn out. You know, bottom line, it's all about the journey. And when we can realize that it's all about the journey and we understand that we don't need to be certain of the outcome because we've already decided up front that it's all part of our journey. And we can't quite yet see the outcome, but we can learn to trust that it's all going to work out, that it's all going to be just fine. But all of this, it starts with our thoughts, right? Our thoughts dictate our feelings and emotions, which in turn control our actions, what we choose to do or what we choose not to do. And our actions determine what results we ultimately end up with. Now, fear... It's just an emotion that's created by our thoughts. The opposite of fear, I guess, would be safety, right? And safety is an emotion that's also created by our thoughts. It's the absence of feeling fear because you're not thinking thoughts that make you feel fearful. Go figure. And you see on TV all this panic about the Dow going down, right? Right. So let's say that one of the things you worry a lot about is money, not having enough money. The money you do have, you know, is becoming less. You're worried about your IRA. You're worried about the stock market. Now, the stock market is all about your thoughts, right? It's a perfect example of thoughts, right? Number one, there is nothing at all that you can do about the stock market. The stock market goes up or the stock market goes down. If you don't know that that's happening, it's not going to increase or reduce your thoughts And so ultimately your fears or your anxieties, what does that are your thoughts. Once you have knowledge that the stock market has gone down, that's exactly when you start thinking and thinking and thinking and worrying and ruminating, right? Let me give you another example. I love those horrible 48 hours dateline. There's another one that I watch. They're terrible. They're really terrible, but I've just always loved the criminal mind and why, you know, how these things happen. So I was watching it (laughs) last night and I tend to watch them at night, which is not smart, right? So you can be tucked in your bed feeling as safe as can be, not knowing that there's someone outside your bedroom window. And if you knew that there was someone outside your bedroom window, then you would have very worrying thoughts. But because you don't know this, you have no thoughts about it. So you're not feeling worry. You're not feeling fear. But you could also be trying to go to bed at night, like I was last night, after having watched Dateline, I think, and imagining what could be out there lurking, right? And there's absolutely nothing out there. But you still feel fear. You're still afraid. Again, it's your thoughts that are creating your emotions or your feelings of fear, whether these are legitimate things to fear or not fear. Our thoughts are what control our feelings. And you've probably heard me say this before, but everything you do in your life is because you want to feel better. That job that you take, the person that you marry, having children, buying that dress, taking that vacation, having a drink, everything. So if your feelings are caused by your thoughts and everything you do in life is to feel better, then wouldn't it be important? For you to know what you're actually thinking? And nobody teaches us this, right? Well, except maybe Fred Rogers. Everything you want in life is because of a feeling. The feeling you think you will have when you get it, or the feeling you will avoid in not getting it. You want to not get that coronavirus because you fear the feeling you will experience if you get it. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be tired. You're going to be in pain or the feeling you will avoid in not getting it, not being anxious, not being tired, not being in pain, not risking your life. All of these feelings are caused by our thoughts. Our feelings drive all of our actions because every action in your life is because of a feeling and every feeling is because of a thought. If you are taking action or you're not taking action, it's because of the way you feel. And I talk about this all the time with respect to the ADHD brain, right? We cannot move forward and be motivated, so we can't act, if we're feeling negative emotion. We need gold stars. We need to be in positive emotion. Your actions then ultimately will determine your results. So again, this is the formula. Your thoughts create your feelings. Your feelings then drive your actions. Your actions then create your results. So clearly, we need to change what we're thinking. We need to change our thoughts in order to change ultimately our results. So how do we change what we think? Well, again, many people think I have no control over what I think. You know, we think that, oh, our thoughts and feelings, they just happen to us. We think our brain just does what our brain does, right? There's nothing we can do. No, no, no. Most of us, we don't have a clue how to witness our own thinking. What it takes is a pause And then getting into your body and separating yourself from your own mind. We need to learn how to watch ourselves think. I kind of see it as my adult self looking down at my child self and watching what my brain thinks. And I have learned to become very protective over my child self. I don't let it beat. I don't let my brain beat my child self up because, again, what I say to myself matters. When you start realizing that a lot of your problems are because of what you're thinking, you suddenly start paying attention to all the negative thoughts that you think. Okay, I did not talk about the 60,000 thoughts, so here I go. And it's really horrifying when you discover what it is that you're saying to yourself, what it is that you're thinking, right? So we have 60,000 thoughts a day, and most of them, guess what, are not very positive. And again, What you say to yourself in your thinking really matters. And when you start witnessing your thinking, you suddenly realize that your naughty brain has been completely unsupervised and you would never allow someone else to talk to you the way you've allowed your unsupervised brain to talk to you. And this is exactly why with our ADHD brains, trying to force ourselves to act can be so difficult because we haven't corrected the feelings or the thoughts. So no wonder it doesn't work. Because remember, it's thoughts, feelings, actions, and then results. We need to change the thought first, which will then change the emotions or the feelings next in order to change the action or frankly even be able to act, which will then give us the results that we're after. It is so much easier to start changing our thoughts. When you understand yourself, when you understand how your brain works, when you understand why you do what you do, when you understand what your strengths are and what you value, only then can you change what you'd like to change. Because again, you finally understand yourself, you understand your brain and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So again, all I'm talking about is mindfulness. And mindfulness is basically, number one, learning how to pay attention to your thoughts and how you're feeling. And number two, avoiding trying to control anything that you actually can't control. Trying to control what you can't control, I'm telling you, and I know you know this, it is stressful. And there is science behind the fact that for those of us with ADHD brains, Mindfulness is especially effective. So in podcast, I think it was episode number 53. I will link to it in the show notes. Episode 53, it was about neuroplasticity and mindfulness. And I introduced you to Lydia Zylawska. Dr. Zajlowska wrote Mindfulness Prescription for Adult ADHD, an eight-step program for strengthening attention, managing emotions, and achieving your goals. Dr. Zajlowska, she's a psychiatrist who specializes in mindfulness-based approaches to mental health. She co-founded UCLA's Mindfulness Awareness Research Center and led the first study of mindfulness training in ADHD. I believe she's still at UCLA where she's the assistant clinical professor. The forward to her book is by Dan Siegel. And if you know anything about mindfulness, you know who Dan Siegel is. Dan Siegel is Harvard educated, a clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA School of Medicine. And he founded the Mindfulness Awareness Resource Center at UCLA with Dr. Zajlowska. So, Dan Siegel is the individual or doctor who connected mindfulness with brain science. And so what Zylowska and Siegel discovered is that their patients, not all of them, but many of them, have been able to reduce their need for medication through mindfulness training. So mindfulness, it's a very user-friendly form of meditation, and it's really easy for anyone to apply. And as I said before, what you're doing is you're becoming aware of your thoughts and how you feel and letting go of all of those things that you cannot control. And you're doing this wherever you are. I mean, it's not like meditation where you're sitting there in a lotus position for an hour. And frankly, even meditation doesn't have to be like that for many of us who need to move. As hyperactives, right? We can learn how to meditate while walking or running or frankly doing just about anything. Even if you're getting yourself to pause and pay attention to what you're thinking about and then focusing on your breath for 30 seconds many times a day, you are making progress. Because when you're focusing on your breathing, and that's why they want you focusing on your breathing to start, you are not thinking. And what would you ordinarily be doing? You'd be thinking, 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 planning, and then reacting to what's happening. And sometimes that's good, but more often than not, it is not so good. Mindfulness, it also helps us to be less reactive, right? We are pausing, we're breathing, we're paying attention to how we feel and what our thoughts are. We're learning to understand how our brains work. We're becoming more compassionate to ourselves, and we're also increasing our self-esteem. And kids can do this too, and studies show that it helps them improve everything, not only social skills but also test scores. So Attitude Magazine, they just released an ebook on mindfulness and they made it free. And so I am going to put it in the show notes so you can go take a look. So Attitude Magazine in this mindfulness ebook, they talk about a 2014 Carnegie Mellon University study that compared the effects of mindfulness training to standard cognitive training and found that the subjects who meditated reported or practiced mindfulness, reported significantly less stress and better coping mechanism. There's also a podcast I did on meditation with cognitive behavioral ADHD coach, Diane Winger, that is excellent. And I'm going to link that in the show notes as well. Okay, so anyway, attitude has a great acronym. And to be honest, I'm not sure if it's theirs, if they took it from someone or if it's something that they came up with. So the acronym, which is really easy to remember, is STOP. Okay, so let's say you're all in your head about everything that is happening right now around coronavirus. You're all over the place and you're feeling very challenged and very fearful. So let's use the acronym, STOP. Number one is S. You're going to stop, you're going to pause, and you're going to ask yourself, what do I need to pay attention to right now? What do I need to be mindful of? Okay. S is stop and pause. T is you're going to take a breath. You're actually going to take three deep breaths. And the reason you're doing this is you're trying to disconnect your brain from your body. Your goal is to get out of your mind and into your body. And the easiest way to do that is to breathe. Deep breaths get you back into your body And they give you a few minutes to settle and release some of the pressure that you might be feeling. You know, I think of like this pot that's about ready to blow. Well, if you take three deep breaths, you're going to get into your body and you're going to be able to settle and release some of that pressure of that pot, right? Okay. The next letter is O. Remember, we're doing stop. Observe is O. Pay attention to what you're thinking. Remember, our thoughts control our feelings. Ask yourself, what am I thinking? How am I feeling? Can you identify the feeling? Am I feeling anxious? Am I feeling angry? Am I feeling overwhelmed? Am I feeling scared? You want to know, what thoughts am I having that are increasing or creating this anxiety, this feeling that I'm having? What thought is creating this feeling in my body? The answer will always be a thought, and that's the best way to figure out what's going on inside your mind. What have you been saying to yourself that is creating this feeling? Your thoughts establish how you feel and what actions you decide to take or not take and what results you get. And you're observing all of this that's going on in your head and all of these, you're asking these questions, but you're doing it being completely objective and non-judgmental. You are not beating yourself up. You're just standing back. Again, I always see it as there's my adult self down, kind of, you know, sitting in my chair and my child self is up above and looking down on myself and observing, okay, what is going on? in my mind, with my thoughts. Then we're going to do P. So stop, S-T-O-P. P P is proceed. We're going to continue, but with more awareness now, right? Because we observed. So in our particular case, maybe you observed that you felt very anxious after you watched the news or read an article you found on Twitter. So that is what started all these thoughts churning around in your brain, right? You understand that you have no control over what happens to the economy because of the coronavirus. And you decide that paying attention to all this news is creating all these thoughts that make you feel really anxious and depressed. And since you have no control over any of this anyway, you decide that during this period, I'm going to do everything to make sure that my family and I are safe, but I'm going to spend this time watching and reading only things that are uplifting and inspiring to me. I can make that choice. That is what I have total control over. So you are proceeding, you are acting, but now with more awareness. So stop is you're going to stop and pause. T is you're going to take three deep breaths. O is you're going to observe and pay attention to what you're thinking. And P is you are going to proceed, but you are going to proceed with more awareness. Again, what you focus on just gets bigger. If you're focusing on everything that is making you fearful, focusing means creating thoughts around it, right? You will feel more fearful. If you're looking for opportunities, if you're looking for something positive, if you're looking for something to be grateful for and you find one of those things, I promise you, you're going to find more of them. You know, I saw the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, speaking today, and he was talking about how his daughter was in quarantine. I don't know if she has the coronavirus or she was around someone who has it. In any case, she's in quarantine, so that might mean that she was around someone who had it. And he's never had such meaningful conversations with her than right now in this moment. And he said that part of it was they never had the time or they never made enough time to really talk about these important things, these fears that they had. But the other part was they had more courage now to speak about those things that are really important. No matter the situation, there is always something good that comes of it, some wonderful lessons to be learned, an experience worthy of remembering. And since I know that, that's exactly what I decided to look for and pay attention to right now. In fact, I started a written list that sits on my desk. Actually, it's in Bear. It started on my desk and then I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose it. So I've been posting in Bear, okay? And it's going to be on Bear until coronavirus is but a distant memory. And my goal is to compile a list of at least 100 experiences, observations, and lessons that generate positive emotion that would not have come about but for coronavirus and social distancing. I'm also doing this in my Instagram stories, and I'm telling you this because I'm using you as my guardrails to keep me on track because I know how important this is to my brain because I'm no different than you are. My brain can be very uncooperative. I have learned to keep my thoughts focused on the right stuff. So if you'd like to join me, my Instagram is at Tracy Otsuka, and the hashtag I'm using is hashtag Corona Silver Linings. This is going to be in my Instagram stories, and I'm also going to make it a, oh gosh, what do they call those? Hold on, I'm looking right now. Highlights, I think. I'm going to put it in my highlights. I'll have one that is marked specifically um, Corona silver linings. Okay. So, and the thing is, this all started with the wonderful things that I started seeing posted in my Facebook group a couple days ago. There was a professor, Brianne. I'm going to get her name right, Brianne C., who's um, in our ADHD for Smart Ass Women group, and she posted a wonderful, inspiring message to ADHD students who were worried about their ability to learn online. It was just, it just made me all tingly and happy inside because She was their advocate and she was telling them they can do this. She knows that they can do this. And it was just beautiful how she just decided on her own that this is what she was going to post. Then there was Caroline F., who's an academic advisor at a college in Massachusetts who offered to meet students on Zoom if they were struggling with online classes. I noticed that I had been giving this wonderful opportunity to have my kids both home 24-7 for a good month. Remember, they're both seniors, one's in college and one's in high school. That would have never happened but for coronavirus. And so every day that I get up in the morning, I stop in to their rooms and I do it at night when they're already asleep. I open their door and I'm just so grateful and I express it. Another thing, I finally got a smart-ass virtual cocktail party together and met some of our fabulous members. This is something I had been wanting to do for a good year, but also would have never happened but for social distancing. And I'm certain not as many women would have showed up but for social distancing because it was Friday. It was five o'clock, you know, our time. So eight o'clock on the East Coast. And they were probably all bored and thinking, okay, what new thing can I do where there's actually people? So they came and joined me. What we focus on just gets bigger. So this is what I have decided that my ADHD brain needs to focus on and think about opportunities, silver linings, those thoughts that give me positive emotion. I hope that you will join me in doing this. So that is what I have for this week. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smart Ass Women. If you like this podcast, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they, too, can discover their amazing strengths. And your reviews, they really, truly help in that regard. For me, they're like those little gold stars we used to get on our work when we were kids. One more thing, if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and leave me an audio message or reach out to me at tracy at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Ass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. If you liked what you heard, we sure would appreciate a review. And not coincidentally, ADHD for Smart Ass Women, well, that's also the name of our free Facebook group. Go look it up. We're a totally smart ass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. We'd love to have you join us. You can also find all my details over at tracyoutsuka.com. Don't forget, I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.